Welcome to this week's podcast from Oceans Church in Orange County. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. For more information, please visit our website at theoceanschurch.com. So if you got your Bible today, is this all right? You guys okay? I'm going to tell a couple stories. I promise we're going to have a good time. But I want to talk, just kind of lay the foundation that this series on the Holy Spirit, I know we're kicking some sacred cows. And I know we're kind of dismantling some bombs that some of you grew up in. And some of you can't stand Pentecostal or charismatic ideas or notions. So again, last week, go back, catch the first message. Today, I want to talk to you on a, on a topic uh, about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to break them into three weeks. And today, I'm going to talk to you about the discerning gifts, which are found in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Not even chronological order, but it's going to be, we're talking about the word of wisdom, uh, the word of knowledge, and the discerning of spirits. So you're like, all right, I got to leave. <laughs> Stick around, I promise it'll be applicable to your Monday through Saturday, and not just tickle your little theological sweet tooth. And what we're going to do after we, we do this next week, I'm going to talk to you about the uh, declarative gifts, which are prophecy, tongues, interpretation of tongues. And I just want you to know, you don't have to be weird to welcome the Holy Spirit. Can I get a good amen? There are some people that love the Holy Spirit, they are fully weird, but they would be fully weird without God. Just weird people. Come on, can I get a real amen? And so I just want you to know, don't be scared or freaked out. I just want you to know, we, can, we want to make sure that Orange County knows there is a God that's real, but he's a powerful God. And so, all right, today, if you're taking notes, my, uh, my title for this message, uh, if you're a churchgoer, we call them sermons. If you're a TED Talker, it's the big idea. If you're an uh, intellectual, my thesis. And if you got your Bible, and how you, however you just describe this is kind of determining probably where your reference is. Of where you're starting at. But uh, 1 Corinthians uh, 12 is where we're going to go to next. Let's start in John 14. Jesus says this in John 14, four verses here. If you love me, keep my commandments. Watch what he says. If you do that, if you love me, I'll pray to the Father, and he will give you another comforter. Say it with me, comforter. Your translation might read helper or advocate, but I love the, the idea. He'll give you a comforter. Who likes a good comforter? Good comforter on the bed? Just me. Some of you are like, I don't have a comforter on my bed. The Lord is my comforter. I only got sheets. Says this, that I'll send the comforter that he may abide with you forever. He's the spirit of truth, the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him and it does not know him. K-N-O-W. But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. He'll dwell with you and he'll be in you. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Now, if you uh, are kind of familiar with this, uh, the layout of Corinthians, chapter 12 talks about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Chapter 13 talks about the love chapter of the Bible. You read it at your wedding. Right? Love is patient. Love is kind. Bears all things, hopes all things, believes all things. Okay. That's the love chapter. And then chapter 14, kind of Paul gives a description of how to use the gifts. So you could say this way. Chapter 12, where we're reading, describes what the gifts are. Chapter 13 describes why we use the gifts out of love. Because to be gifted without love is useless. Paul's like, I could prophesy, see everything, move mountains. If I don't have love, I'm a clanging symbol and I'm just, I'm worthless. So the gifts of God without the love of God are useless. Let me say that again. We need not only the power of God, we need the love of God. 
Churches get weird when they worship the power, but they neglect the love. And when all you care about is connecting with God on Sunday mornings, it's just about you and your worship experience. You've gotten weird in the, in the love camp of, I just, or I just want the power of God. And you forget that we got to love the world that's around us. You write this down. This is free. God gives power so we can actually love the world. He doesn't just give us power, prophetic moments, sovereign moments, miracle moments, healing moments, so that we can leave going, man, we had church today. God gives you power and he gives you faith so that you can go out into the world and and fulfill this co-mission called the Great Commission. That we're going to go out and make disciples of all of Orange County. Are you hearing me? Acts 2 says this. He says that they were filled with the Holy Spirit, spoke in tongues, and they went out and 3,000 people got added to the church that day. Gifts were not for good services. They were to serve the community. I'm preaching before I'm preaching. I'll settle down. Show myself here. All right. It says this in uh, 1 Corinthians. Where am I at? First, let's read this. It says this verse, verse 1, chapter 12 of Corinthians. So, again, 12 talks about the gifts, the what. 13 is why we need them. And 14 is how we use them. Are you hearing me? Here's what he says. This is the Apostle Paul, who's probably worth listening to. He goes, now concerning spiritual gifts. Now, again, some of you are like, I don't need spiritual gifts. Just stay with this. Is what he says. Concerning those things, I don't want you to be ignorant. Okay, Paul, tell us what you really think. You know that you were Gentiles carried away by these dumb idols, however you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed. And no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There's a diversity of gifts, but the same Spirit. There's a differences of ministries, but the same Lord. There are diversities of activities, but it's the same God who works all and in all. But the manifestation of the Holy Spirit is given to each one. Why? For the profit of... So if you ever want to operate in a gift for your own profit, you're missing the point. God gives powerful gifts to us individually for the profit of other people. So if you're not helping people, you're not helping. For the profit of all. And it goes on to say this... uh, uh, Okay, what verse am I at? Verse 8. To one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. To another, the word of knowledge through the same Spirit. To another, the gift of faith by the Holy Spirit. To another, gifts of healings by the same Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, different kinds of tongues. And to another, the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing each individually as who wills? He wills. So I determine obedience. God determines outcomes. I preach at some churches and I've seen blind eyes open up. I've been in service. God gave me like this really clear word of knowledge. And it just like just changed the environment. And I've been to other churches, prayed the same, prepared the same, and nothing happened. It's as God wills, but usually it's dependent upon the faith that's in the room. I want to talk to you today about, uh, I want to talk to you today. What's the title of my message? For use only. Forgot that for a second. For use, for use only. Let's pray. God, I just thank you for uh, second service. I thank you that first service is smarter because uh, they knew that I had, to, I had to be done at time for the second service. But I thank you that you can have your way today. I thank you that we don't have to go to a four-hour-long church service to encounter you. So I ask you that we could do a lot in a short window of time. I pray you'd bless this community. I thank you that you would continue to grow it, enlarge us individually and collectively. And I pray that we would grow in our knowledge of who you are today. We love you. And I just pray you help the Lakers this next season. Jesus name. Everyone said, amen.
Amen. I always offend people with that. Uh, I want to just, uh, if you're single today, I want to just give you a little bit of wisdom. When you get married, there's a learning curve. The married people said amen. I uh, got married 13 years ago, married the woman of my dreams. And for the first 12 months, I discovered that it was like living on a new planet. I was breathing different oxygen. I was learning a new language, completely different lifestyle. And my wife seemed to have every component of my brain that I was not born with. And she liked to help me discover what those areas were. I, uh, I, I heard four words on a regular basis, and these four words humbled me. They caused me to grow. They stretched me. And the four words that really defined the first year of growth in marriage were, here's Rochelle's voice, her beautiful voice. She would say it like this, what are you doing? Whenever I heard those four words, I knew I was doing something prolifically wrong. And I was failing at a level I didn't even know I was failing. And so she would just say, what are you doing? And I just knew right away that that was my cue to crawl into the fetal position and to begin to suck my thumb. What are you doing? And I heard it many times on many occasions because, again, I was born with a brain that was missing elements that hers came with. And I feel like guys are born with a bunch of loose wires. And when you get married, the woman's job is to put all the wires together. You start feeling things. She's like, oh, what, what's happening? Like, she's like, you're using your brain. Oh, wow. Wow. We got married. I remember one day I was like trying to get something to drink and eat, and all the dishes were dirty. And rather than actually doing the dishes, I reached into our little cabinet that we never use, and I grabbed out a dish and a cup that we never use, and we registered for these, this fine china that we never use. And I started, I, I threw my, my, my leftover food on the plate, threw it in the microwave, grabbed some whatever juice, threw it in the, the cup, and Rochelle comes in right as the, the microwave beeps, and she's like, yeah, that was your cue. What are you doing? I'm like, I don't know. I'm new. This is new to me. I don't know what I'm doing. And she's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm just eating some food, drinking something. She's like, why are you using that stuff? That is not for use. That's for looks. We use that once a year. When people come over that we don't care. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. It's a joke. It's a joke. It's our fine china. And we have rooms in our house that has furniture. I'm like sitting down one day, like get, get some food. I'm eating some popcorn. It's like, what are you doing in that room eating? There's furniture in there. Assume that you're supposed to go sit on it. What are you doing? I'm like, apparently I don't know. And then, and then there was one time I remember getting out of the shower and there was no towel and with these little thin towels. And it's just funny. You go to my house, you can use certain towels that I can't use. What are you doing, Mark? I'm like, drying off. That's, that's, those are the guest towels. Then I made the mistake one time to get out of the shower and I grabbed the most delicious towels that were, were positioned the closest to the shower on the rack that I thought was designed for holstering the towel that you were going to use. So I grabbed the big fluffy hotel towel, started drying my body off, and I hear this. 
I, I don't know. I need to dry off. I'm wet. And she's like, you don't use those towels. Those are decorative towels. Okay. And then we got married. I thought we were rich the first year of our marriage because she registered for all these pillows. And we had more pillows on our bed. You couldn't even see the mattress. Just pillows six feet tall all the way down. I thought we were rich. Like, look at those pillows. Business must be good. And we had all these pillows. I, just, I used to like lay in the pillows. And Rochelle came in one day. She's like, what are you doing? You don't lay on those pillows. But that's what they're made for. She goes, no, those are just for when the bed's made. So then we bought a new comforter. It was beautiful, lush comforter. I couldn't wait to get in that comforter. I saw it on the bed. I went to work. I fantasized all day about taking a nap in that bed, on that comforter. I came home that night, tried to get in the bed, and the comforter was gone. I thought I went home to be with Jesus. Our comforter got raptured. And it was on the bed. I'm like, Rochelle, where the heck did the comforter go? She goes, oh, I, I have it folded up. It's in the corner over here. It's like, why? She goes, oh, that, you don't use that. That comforter is just for, it's not for use. And I, I, I was thinking about this week, I was praying, studying, and I heard the Holy Spirit say, I'm the comforter, but most of the body of Christ thinks I'm just for looks. Not for usage. Like, you read the Bible when you don't understand who the Holy Spirit is, and you're like, oh, that's just for looks. That's just for show. That was just for the early apostles. That was just for the first decade of the church. That was just for the first century of the early followers of Jesus. That's just for the people that walk with Jesus physically on the earth. That, 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 what, what are you doing? And you're like, oh, I, it, it's just for looks. I feel like there's a world in Orange County that's like, what are you doing with the Holy Spirit? Don't, why are you teaching, dude? Don't you know that you're not supposed to teach on the Holy Spirit in church, preacher? What are you doing? This whole message of the Holy Spirit, it's just for looks, man. That, the miracles stop with the, the apostles. It's, we live in a, uh, like, a like, like we, we, we don't believe in this. It's like a, uh, what's the word? It's a, it's, we live in an era that God no longer does the miraculous. It's not for usage. The Holy Spirit is involved. There's no action with the Holy Spirit. He is merely a figment of what you kind of look at in the Bible, in the scriptures, but just kind of read through those scriptures and you cut and paste what you don't understand. It's not for usage. That's for looks. And I want to just say the opposite to you today, that God gives us the Holy Spirit so that he can actually use us and we can actually be a part of being used by him. If you're going to clap, give him a good hand clap this morning. He's not just for looks. And I think it's interesting that Corinth, God takes more time through Paul. He doesn't write just one or two letters. Actually, don't there's three letters written to the Corinthians? We only have two, but in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 9, it says that actually there was a letter before 1 Corinthians that Paul wrote to the Corinthian believers. The Corinthian believers wrote a letter back to Paul, and when he responded to that letter, that's 1 Corinthians. And then 2 Corinthians is actually the third letter of the Corinthian church. And it's interesting that he would spend more time writing to the church at Corinth, which had a population of 200,000 citizens and 500,000 slaves, because it was one of the most affluent cities in the known world. It was one of the most uh, uh, amazing major cities in the ancient world. 
It was the most morally bankrupt major city in the known world. The goddess of Aphrodite, we, we learned this in Greek mythology in school, which uh, our government's cool, you learning about fake things, but not real things like the Bible, anyways. But we learned about the Greek mythology in school, and Aphrodite is the goddess of love, or Christians call her, the demon of sex. And in Corinth, they had the temple of Aphrodite that had over a thousand uh, temple prostitutes that people thought they would actually connect with God, uh, Aphrodite. If their marriage was struggling, they'd go to the temple prostitutes and interact with them, and that would heal their marriage. And it was one of the most morally dark cities in the world. If there was every city in the Bible that looked like Los Angeles or Southern California, it would be Corinth. Because it was very affluent, but it was very lost. Are you tracking with me? And I think it's interesting that they didn't need one ladder, like the Galatians, like the, the church at Philippi, or the church of Ephesus, or the church uh, of uh, Coloss, Colossae. They, they didn't need one letter. They needed three letters. Because they were that screwed up. And it's interesting that Paul writes more about who the Holy Spirit is, what he does, and how he functions to the church that's wealthy but morally bankrupt because maybe he knew that wealthy, affluent areas that were morally bankrupt, the only hope for those cities was the power of the Holy Spirit. He knew the solution that everybody's looking for in this, this region is found in the power of the Holy Spirit. So he takes three chapters to really dissect this. He goes, this is what they are. This is why we need the Holy Spirit with love. And this is how we operate in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. There's nine gifts that are listed here in the first portion that we read. There's actually more in the Bible. Romans, uh, I think Romans 11 talks about seven of the motivational gifts of the Holy Spirit. Talks about teaching, exhortation, giving, service, all that stuff. Uh, but I want to look at the discerning gifts of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Are you still with me today? Because I feel like many people are like, what are you doing? I believe that God's still real. What are you doing, preacher? Don't you know that like teaching the Holy Spirit, that's like taboo. Like that's what people do when they want to ruin their church. I'm like, you know what? Uh, I'm pretty sure the early church, like they talked about the Holy Spirit. Paul said that he, he prayed in the Holy Spirit more than everybody. And he was possessed by the Holy Spirit when he wrote that passage. So the Holy Spirit knew that he prayed more than everybody else did. He was filled with the gifts of the Holy Spirit. If you missed last week, I talked a little bit about tongues. I'm going to talk more about it next week, so I encourage you to come back. But I want you to know this today, that there's really three, three discerning gifts of the Holy Spirit. And the first one would be is uh, the, gift of, the gift of the word of wisdom. The word of wisdom. Say it with me. Wisdom. Some people are like, what, what in the world is the word of wisdom? What gift is that? It's uh, really, if you're taking notes, I'm going to teach a little bit right now. It's, it's to know something specific without ever having learned it by a natural means. To know something specific without having learned it by natural means. You could say it this way. It's when God gives you a divine answer or solution to a to situation or to a problem. It's the word of wisdom. I believe one of the things the Holy Spirit loves to do is he loves to give us power to be a solution to the problems that are in our world. The word gift, it says you shall receive power, dunamis, you shall re receive a gift when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. The word gift in the Greek language is uh, charisma. It means, it means grace gift. It's where we get the word charismatic in the English language. But I want you to know this, that gifts were always given for doing, 
not just for being. Are you hearing me? So let me, let me qualify this. You're not saved by good works, but you are saved for. So we don't, like, we don't pass out a certain amount of Bibles and God loves us. God loves us all the same no matter what. You can give God the double birds right now, walk out the doors, never come to church again, and be like, I don't believe in God. God, guess what, loves you the same. Or you can dedicate the rest of your life, build orphanages and hospitals and churches all over the world. And guess what? God will not love you more than he loves the individual that walked away from him. Write this down. God knows everyone the best and loves everyone the most. So we don't, we don't determine how much God loves us, but I do believe that we determine how much God can use us. I'm not saved for uh, by good works, but I am saved to do something after I learn it. I experience it. And God gives gifts, again, not so that we can be selfish. And that's what I want to just, if I could be so bold today, I think spiritual gifts at times have brought more confusion into the church than edification. This is not the, the narrative of what Paul was desiring when he wrote in the book of Corinthians talking about spiritual gifts. I like going to sporting events when everybody cheers, score a touchdown, win the game, hit a big shot, everyone cheers. But when the referee blows his whistle and everyone gets quiet because we're wondering what in the world is the call? Isn't it interesting that even at sporting events, that's why the Bible says do all things decently and in order. I think the church has gotten so scared of the power of God that we, we don't do anything, but we do everything decently in order. So we have the decently in order part, but we forgot that God wants us to do all things. That he wants us to actually encounter his power, know his presence. Are you hearing me today? And I just think many times we're like, I don't know, man, that's for us, it's for me. And I just want to encourage you today that the Holy Spirit gives us his power, his divine enablement, so that we can do something for him. Why would he give me gifts? Because he loves people. And he knows that if he can fill you with his gifts, you can be used in a way that it's beyond your natural ability. You can write this down. Spiritual gifts are not natural abilities. So that's really good news for a guy like me that's pretty screwed up. Because I'm not that spiritual. I'm not that dynamic. I'm not that like, oh my gosh, that guy was born like LeBron James and he had great faith. I actually grew up quite ordinary. Still am. But the Holy Spirit comes in you and upon you, and he starts to give you things that you did not earn, deserve, or warrant from your good behavior. The closer you get to the Holy Spirit, the more he puts inside of you. And I want you to know this. It's his gifts, not yours. It says that he gives the gift of a manifestation of the Spirit according to how he wills. So none of us have the gift I have the gift of pro. I have the gift. You, I know how we say it, and I know why we say it. But technically, we have the, we have the whole, the gift of the Holy Spirit, and it's the Holy Spirit that activates the gifts inside of all of us. See what the word of wisdom is? It's knowing something that you could never know outside of the Holy Spirit. God gave me a solution to a problem, an answer to a question that I didn't know. You ever talk to somebody and they're asking you about something, and you start getting a wisdom that you're like, I don't know where this is coming from. And you're sharing with them, and you're like, you're not the first person hearing this. I am. I don't know where this is coming from, but let it keep coming. And you start helping people because the Holy Spirit gives you this word, these words of wisdom, words of wisdom. And then the second gift that he talks about is not only the word of wisdom, which the Holy Spirit will give you. He'll actually give you the word of knowledge, word of knowledge. What I'd like you to write down is God gives no gifts fully developed.
And we think sometimes we're like, well, because I, I, got, I gave my life to Jesus and I've been in church for three weeks, I should be able to prophesy like, like, like Sean Bowles. I should be able to operate in the word of knowledge like Chris Valentine. I feel like I should be able to go to Bethel and, and grab a microphone and call down fire. I would like to introduce to you that God has never given anyone a piano and expected them to play fluently. Why? Because even people that have a natural inclination towards a gift still have to spend time developing it. That's why I love our OC groups. I'd encourage you to get involved in a group. One of the best places to start learning and operating in your gift is in a safe environment like a small group. Like, yeah, I'm not very good at this. I'm learning. But I felt like today God put an impression inside of me. Write this down. All the gifts that God gives us start with an impression when God begins to move on our hearts. What I've learned is when the presence of God shows up, when I start getting thoughts into my head, oftentimes those thoughts are connected to what God wants me to be aware of. So for instance, I, I see someone in the crowd and God kind of highlights them to me. And all of a sudden when I'm looking at this guy, I think about my friend who's in Albuquerque, New Mexico. I have this grid in my head, and I'll talk more about this when I, when I teach on the prophetic. But what I learned was is that when I'm looking at this guy, and I start thinking about my friend Brandon in New Mexico, I start asking the Holy Spirit, okay, God, am I thinking about Brandon when I look at that guy because Brandon has a leadership gift on his life? Because he's very, very innovative, and he's very, uh, very electric and dynamic, and he has a gift on his life for ministry and for business. And what I start doing is I start asking the Holy Spirit, because listen, when God's presence shows up, when you start thinking about other people or things, Usually it's because God's trying to connect what, what you're seeing to an idea that's in his heart for somebody else. Are you hearing me? So like when God starts speaking to you, it always happens like this. He speaks to your spirit, but it goes through your mind. And that's what the tough part about uh, it, hearing God's voice is at times. It's because the voice of God, it speaks to your spirit, but it, it's digested through your brain. So what happens is, is the voice of God, it's less of translation, and it's more of interpretation. Translators translate word for word. Like the UN, United Nations, they don't have, they don't have uh, interpreters, they have translators. They're not like, I think he said something about a nuclear bomb. I want exact equivalency, word for word, and that's why it says, I'm going to talk about this next week, we have an interpretation, we interpret tongues. We don't have a word-for-word translation. We have a general idea of, um, I'm taking a God idea and I'm putting language to it. Does that make sense? Someone once said, man, that was a great message, man. Do you feel good about that message? I go, man, I never feel as good about the way I deliver it as I do when I hear it. Are you hearing me? Because God will speak to you, and it's so pure, it's so, like, non-jaded, it's so flawless. And the moment our humanity gets involved, we, we speak from our emotions, we speak from our experiences, we speak from, our, like, our attitude that day. All of these factors, and that's why we have to not make the mistake of, of the perfection of God's voice. And that's why it's so important not just to operate with what he wants you to say, but the right spirit in which you say it. Because to say the right thing in the wrong spirit is wrong. Because prophecy, and I'm, gonna, I'm sorry, I'm just getting ahead of myself. But the prophetic, you know what it's for? It's to edify, it's to build up, it's to exhort, it's to comfort. So if someone ever says, thus say the Lord, you're in sin, you're an, you're, you're an idiot, you're, you're ridiculous. Guess what? God never gave the prophetic under the New, New Covenant as an instrument of rebuking or correcting. 
It was given to build people up. Are you hearing me right now? And there's just so much misnomer knowledge of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So that's my goal in this series is to share some of this stuff. Are you still tracking me today? It's a long rabbit trail. Let's go. Number two is there's not only the word of wisdom, there's the word of knowledge. And this is a very, if you're taking notes, it's a very specific, uh, very specific information that you could never know without God. That is the word of knowledge. It's a very specific piece of information that you could never know without God. It actually brings people to a closer place with God faster than anything else. I've been with, I, mean, I, I, I was at a conference teaching on the prophetic in, um, in Texas, and this is not an exhaustive study, by the way, just like overviewing some of this stuff. But I taught on it, and then I started praying for people. And I, I pointed at a lady and said, I don't know, does, does the word Emma mean anything to you? And she started crying. Because I'm in a prophetic environment, I'm praying for people. And I said, I don't know why, but I feel like God, God says that you're like Emma. And she started crying. I said, what does that mean to you? And she goes, my mom always told me that she wanted to name me Emma. That was the name she had picked out for me. And she would tell me that all the time. And she said the, name, the meaning of the name and stuff. And I just said, God, I just feel like God wanted to let you know he knows your origins. I was at a, I told this last service, but I was at a, a place in Texas. I looked across the room at a conference, and there was a young man, probably in his teens, and God said, this kid is going to design video games that revolutionize the video game industry. A young kid at a youth conference. It was actually it was a church conference. The next day, well, I, I said, in great faith, I said, God, if that's you, give me some confirmation. So I'm a man of great faith. <laughs> and I had this impression in my heart that, that I heard the Holy Spirit say, his dad owns a software company, very successful software company. So I said, all right, if you prove that to me, I'll share this word because I'm a man of great faith. <laughs> so the next day, I did like a little session teaching on how to hear the voice of God. And after the session, I started praying for some people. And I prayed for this lady and just God gave me some specific stuff. By the way, usually prophetic people don't remember what they pray over people. It comes in, it goes out. You're like, I don't know where that came from. I don't know where it's going. Hope that helps. But I prayed over this lady, some specific stuff. Afterwards, this kid comes up to me. He's like crying. He's like, man, that was my mom that you prayed for. He goes, no one could have known that stuff except God. She's never told anybody any of that stuff. And so I said, oh, cool. I was like, that's praise God. I said, hey, um, what does your dad do for a living? And he goes, oh, my dad owns like a software company. I was like, game on. So I started saying, I said, dude, God told me this the other day. I saw you, and I asked him, and I just told him, told him the situation, and I shared it with him. And he just started crying. He's like, man, that's been in my heart. He's actually, like, been interested in that, been educating himself on it. And I believe that God, again, what does prophecy do? It confirms. It edifies. It brings comfort. And it, it exhorts. It builds people up. There's something about a word of knowledge that connects you with God faster than anything. I was at a conference in Canada a couple, like probably three years ago, and I saw a lady. I prayed this big room. And I, I, I felt like God kind of hi- – it's like – I can't explain it, but it's like God puts a highlighter on somebody, and they stand out to me. And I said, God, what do you want me to say to this person? And they start getting a highlighter, and I just get these ideas or thoughts. So I started sharing it because, listen to me, the Bible says the holy – the Bible was written by holy men of God as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Do you know how we speak with inspiration? It's when God begins to move us on the inside. We think that God takes control of our mouth and just does it all for us. Do you give like that? 
While I was in church, my, my checkbook jumped out of my pocket. All of a sudden, a million-dollar check fell in the back of the basket. I was like, oh, my gosh, God, this is the gift of giving. It's the gift. In your marriage, you, ch- you choose how you treat your wife. When you pray in English, you choose what you say. And guess what? When you move in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, it's the same way. You determine how you operate in those gifts. So I was like, I was like all right, uh, this lady, she got highlighted. I said, I don't know. I said, I, I saw like, like six months ago, the Lord said you went through this like devastating loss. But I see God standing with you during the loss. And he wanted me to let you know that, that this is the beginning of a new season. And that the next, like, it's like some period of months, like 18 months, every month is going to get better. And I see you almost like after like a rehab or something, God bringing the muscle back. And God says that the season that you lost, he's going to actually bring in a new, and I can't remember all the details of it. But literally, the whole church starts crying. I had no idea. But at a very specific word, what I didn't know was, is that six months prior, she lost her husband. And God gave me a timeline of like 18 or 25 months or whatever. And literally, I said 25 months, right? That this is going to be like a new chapter and God's going to restore, whatever, whatever. I came back to that same church three years later. And uh, she said 25 months to the day that I was there, she got married to her new husband. And it was, yeah, you've got a hand clap. Coincidence. I feel the faith in the room. Remember me with a guy, young man, I share the story a lot. I remember sitting down with him at a, at a lunch. I prayed, spent time with Jesus. I sit down with this guy, and as I'm, as I'm sitting down, he just graduated college. He was a CPA, and he goes, Mark, I hate my job. It's like the worst job ever, worst environment ever. I said, well, you should love the people around you, you know. And he's like, it's awful, Mark. I said, okay, let's pray. But the crazy part was I felt the Spirit of God come over me. God began to move me. And like earlier that day, I heard that the, the bodybuilding.com was in Idaho, was from Idaho. And... Literally, as I'm sitting there with him, I said, I said, I don't know why, David, but God's just, he's moving in my heart right now that you're actually going to get hired by bodybuilding.com. And you're going to become a CPA for them, and you're going to get promoted very quickly, and you're going to actually start getting mentored by the CFO of the company, and you're going to be groomed at a young age, and you're going to become one of the highest-ranking people there, and you're actually eventually going to become the CFO of bodybuilding.com. You'll be there for a, a, a few years. And then other Fortune 500 companies are going to court you. And you're going to work for some of the greatest companies in the world. And I gave him some of the spiritual nuances of it. And it was a word. I didn't know. I mean, I just moved by the Holy Spirit. Show me things. And he's just like, dude, I don't know how you, okay, this is prophetic. This is like crazy. And he gets home from work that day. His wife cut hair. She, she cuts hair. And she goes, I got good news, babe. She goes, I was cutting a guy's hair today, or a lady's hair today. He goes, I have good news. I met with Mark today. She goes, all right, well, I'll share my news first. She goes, I was cutting a lady's hair, and I told her how you hated your job. (laughs) And she says to me, my husband works for, he said they're hiring CPAs right now. Gave me his number. Gave the number to David. David's like, this is what Mark told me. He calls. He had a job in like 48 hours. He's been working there for nine years. He actually left for a season, got courted by another company, made it to like the four tiers from the top, got groomed by all the top guys, got hired another company, worked there, got promoted two positions. The company got bought out, thought he was going to like, like didn't have a job again, calls bodybuilding, wanting his old job, and his boss says, we filled it, I'm sorry, but I'm leaving, you could have my job. 
gets promoted two more times. He's now the controller being trained to take over as CFO in the next little bit here. If you're, come on. Coincidence. It's just beer. Got to be here last week. I want you to know that God will give you the word of knowledge. And listen to me. It's never to make you look good. It's always to make him look good. Write this down. The gifts are never supposed to bring attention to you. They're supposed to make much of him. Can I say it one more time? We always want these gifts. We're like, man, I want to be, I want to be great. I want people to know how awesome I am. And, and even like when we worship and stuff, I want you to know that like, like being filled with the spirit of God and being used by God is never intended to make you look great. It's always God loving people through you. You know, great church service, my mentor said, is a service that almost no one was recognized except God. I was good. I don't remember what was preached. I don't remember who, what, what songs we sang. But man, God was there. The word of knowledge. The bank can come up here. I'm about finished. Thirdly, it says discerning of spirits. And it sounds a little bit spooky. But I want you to know, again, there's some things in the kingdom of God that are beyond what we can touch. Ephesians 6 says that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood but we actually wrestle against principalities and powers and spiritual rulers of dark places. He says, therefore, I want you to do me a favor. Take up the whole, the whole armor of God. Can I read it to you? Did you know that the Holy Spirit and actually speaking in a prayer language is a part of the whole armor of God? You maybe never seen it before, but if you look here in Ephesians chapter six, it says this, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the what armor? Hey, say it with me. Whole armor. Why? So you can be able to stand against all the wiles, all the darkness of the devil. We're not wrestling against flesh and blood. We're wrestling against principalities and powers, against rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand in the evil day, having done to done all to stand. Watch what it says. Here's the whole armor of God. Stand therefore putting on the, the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes of feet, preparation of the gospel of peace. Uh, above all, taking up the shield of faith, which is able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Here, here's verse 18, part of the whole armor of God. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the English. In the spirit. You know, it's crazy. I think this, again, I'm going to be bold today. I believe that the prayers you've been praying are solved by the message that I'm sharing. You see, we want the power to live a Christian life, but we want to do it with a, with a theology that we fully understand. I want the power of God, but I want it on my terms. I want access to miracles, the prophetic, the word of knowledge, the word of wisdom, the discerning of spirits, but I want to do it in a very casual, like I'm fully in control all the time. I know everything, understand everything. Listen to me, some things are beyond where you can touch. I don't know why God begins to move in my heart. I feel this impression. I start praying over people. But the crazy thing is I start praying for people. I start seeing things, hearing things, and people start getting healed. I've never healed anyone but I've seen so many miracles. I got to travel the, the world for 10 years. Been all over Africa and Australia, been all over South America. And I got to go to these places because I got invited to one conference. And the one conference I got invited to in Australia, it's miraculous. I was a youth pastor from a medium-sized church in Boise. 
and I get invited to speak at a conference in Sydney, Brisbane, Perth, and Adelaide, one conference in four locations, with T.D. Jakes, Creflo Dollar, Chris Hill, a bunch of all these like big preachers, and like a little white dude from Idaho. And I got invited, I'm like, at this conference, like, God, what am I doing here? And I fasted and I prayed, I'm like, God, I don't want to suck. It's my spiritual prayer. Lord, help me. And I got there and literally, man, miracles began to break out. I, I, I had a guy hosting me. I, didn't, I hardly knew his name. He's like six foot eight, massive dude, big beard. And he, I, he literally drove me from the hotel to the conference that night. I barely knew his name. Didn't even meet his wife yet. But I saw him sitting behind me, this wife. At the end of the service, I said, I said, Chris, right, Chris? He's like, yeah. I said, stand up with your wife. He stood out in the aisle. I said, I don't know why, man, but God's telling me right now, this is going to be a fruitful season for you. And I see the Lord telling me, he wants you to know that you're going to have kids in the near future. And this church of about 10,000 people, probably about 6,000 in the room, they all went, oh. What I didn't know was, is they've been trying to have kids since they got married. And the doctor said it was physically impossible for them to have kids. So she actually had have, uh, some sort of minor hysterectomy. And they removed some of the organs in her body to have kids. And I said, and in the prayer, stupid me, I'm like, and you're going to have them naturally. I'm like, oh. But there was a gift, because listen to me, the gifts of the Holy Spirit always come with confidence. Part of the reason you know you're in the gift of the Holy Spirit is because there's a boldness and courage you wouldn't have by yourself. I said, you're going to have this a fruitful season. You're going to have babies. God wants you to know it's not going to just be through adoption. You might do that, but it's through biological conception. And the church goes, whoa. And honestly, I've never seen it really happen like this strong ever since. But the power of God hit them. I was on the stage, and it was like someone shoved them like 10 feet. And there was a guy standing in the aisle that caught both of them accidentally as he's walking back to his chair. They were on the ground just crying, kept going. The service, people started getting healed. People with crutches started getting healed. The girl that broke her ankle, took her cast off, started running around the building, got healed. I went in the green room that night after all these crazy, it was crazy. I wasn't a great preacher, still not a great preacher, but the power of God showed up. And, and uh, afterwards, they're like, yeah, we had parts of our body she had removed. We can't, they said that we can't have kids, but I know God healed us and we've been praying. I left Australia and it was within like a month and a half, I got a, I got a message from them. So Mark, I'd say you'll never believe it, but I don't think that's true. Believe it, we're pregnant. They're pregnant. They had a little baby boy, and then about two years later, they had a little baby girl. They pastor one of the great churches in Adelaide, Australia now. One of my great friends, you know what happened? All these miracles started happening, and that's when all these people are like, let's bring this guy from Idaho. There's miracles that happen when he shows up. And I'm, I'm not a great, I'm not, I'm not even gifted. I, I just feel like I know the Holy Spirit. And when he comes on you and in you and through you, his gifts begin to come. What are gifts for? They're for service, not for status. And whenever you think you want to be gifted so that you can have a status, you're missing the plot. Gifts are given to serve the world around you, not to make you look great. Amen? Sorry, this is a little bit strong today. If you're new to our church, this is a little bit further in the the pool than we normally go. But I feel a boldness that Orange County is hungry for a church that's full of the Holy Spirit. You go to church that have great teachings, get you in and out in 37 minutes, 
that have parking teams and, and buses, and I'm not against any of that stuff. But I just want you to know, man, I, I want to go to a church that God can do anything. Because maybe the only church that can change Corinth is a church that understands the Holy Spirit. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Have a great week.